Good morning. Our Holy Gospel today is from the second chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 41. Glory to you, O Lord. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began to look for him amongst their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he said. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and with mankind. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me now as we pray the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. This gospel account that we have before us today, it's unique only to Luke. This story is not found any place else in the Bible or in any of the other gospels. My sense is, is that this is a story that's very well known to us, even though we only hear the story read every three years. But it is a story that's very well known to us because it's the only youthful Jesus account that we have. When we think about Jesus as a young person, we know nothing else about him other than just this one story. And it is kind of an interesting story, really. And I'm, I'm sure that as you've read this or heard this read, you know, oftentimes you say to yourself, how could that happen? How could Jesus' parents forget about him and leave him in Jerusalem? You know, I mean, how does that happen? Well, it does make a little bit of sense, though, when you think about it. We're talking about the Passover. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of people who traveled to Jerusalem for this celebration, this, this commemorative event. And they all travel in these caravans. And it's one big family of people that are traveling together, both to and from Jerusalem. And naturally, there's a couple of other things. The women and the children usually go ahead of the men, and the men follow later on. So, you know, we did, it's not like we lived in a time where we had texting and cell phones at our fingertips. It's not like Jesus had a cell phone in his hand. Where are you? Tell me where you are right now. You know, I mean, I can't imagine how our modern-day 21st century 
helicopter parents could even tolerate hearing a story like this. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine this ever even happening. But in a certain sense, it does make all sense in the world. One parent assuming that the other parent was, had the child in hand. Whatever. Um, you know, that part we will never know. Um, but it, just, it, it does seem a little bit strange that that happened the way it did. But the thing that I find fascinating about this gospel story today, and I, th- I think this is one of the things that's, that's interesting about Scripture, is that there's always something new and different. And I think that's one of the things that Pastor Al talks about, is that you know, when you look at Scripture, it's, it's, it's good for us to try and continually look at Scripture as if we've seen it or heard it for the very first time. And for me, what I find to be fascinating about this story is how Jesus, especially in that time, how Jesus was received and accepted into this temple community, even as a very young child. Now we do know from Jewish tradition that it's somewhere around the age of 13 that uh, children go through this, especially males, I'm not sure about females, but I know males go through this this uh, rite of passage called the bar mitzvah, where you are sort of, uh, you know, you enter into the adulthood of, of the Jewish culture at that age. And so you, it, it makes sense, because Jesus is getting near to that age. I don't, I don't know if they actually practiced something like that back then. I didn't actually study up and find out about that. But he was actually entering close into that age, where uh, it was expected that he would start being more of an adult, much like our confirmation classes that we have to our junior high and our our young high school students. That being said, Jesus was still very much a child. And during that time, children did not have much of any significance or place in the life of society or, for that matter, in the life of the temple. And as I read this account and as I reflected upon it, I found that there seemed to be... The one thing that stood out for me was this openness to having Jesus in their midst. His childlike curiosity and his interest in their conversations and their teachings, that was welcomed by them. And it even says that they, the adults in the room, that they were amazed by his intelligence and answers that he gave. One of the commentary sources that I read suggests that one of the reasons why Jesus was in the temple is because Jesus was beginning to realize that something special was happening in that place. Something special was happening in that setting, that temple setting. And it made me think back. It made me reflect back on my own church and faith experience in my younger days. And it made me wonder at what point in my life of church attendance and at what point in my faith questioning did it finally dawn upon me? And I guess I want this to be a question for you too. When did it finally dawn upon you in all of your church life that you were a part of as a young child 
that there was actually something very special happening here in that church that you were a part of, wherever, wherever that was. You know, and as I thought about that, I, I thought, you know, I, 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 I wish it would have happened much sooner than it did. Because my most distinct memories of my early church life were more that I was attending church and I was a part of a church community more out of a sense of obligation than out of a sense of childlike curiosity. I wasn't going to church because I was curious. I wasn't going to church because I had a wonderment about God. I was going to church because you're going to church. (laughs) It's the thing to do. (laughs) And I remember that as a young child... It meant that you were seen, but not heard. That was your role. Our role was to be obedient and respectful, and to be quiet little pew-sitters. And that role even carried on into Sunday school. And the only time that we as youth, as children, were heard was usually when we were up standing in front of the church, scared half to death, trying to remember our memorization verse during the Christmas pageant, hoping that we don't mess it up. And then we're all standing around, half of us attention deficit disordered kids, you know, and yet we're still singing silent night, holy night, pushing and shoving our friends, you know, and the Sunday school teacher's going, hey, pay attention, None of you had that experience, huh? (laughs) I guess I'm just one of a kind. No. For me, the realization that something special was happening in my life, it came around my mid-teen years. my, My youthful curiosity was nudged and it was encouraged by, again, a person that I've talked about a lot in my life, gentleman by the name of Emery Johnson. He was the intern from Luther Northwestern Seminary. He, he was the intern over at the other Lutheran church, over at St. John's Lutheran Church, the Lutheran church in town, the one that was on Main Street. And he was the intern there back in 1972 and 1973. My, my curiosity about Jesus and about God started about then, primarily because of that one person, Emory Johnson. But it also sparked a curiosity amongst a lot of other youth, too. And so it was a community faith experience for us, with multiple other youth who walked alongside of each other, and that we encouraged each other in our questions and in our exploring of Scripture and through our expression of worship together. And of course, I've told you about the fact that we, that year, started this wonderful ecumenical group uh, called the Shalom Singers. And at one point, we had over 60 kids involved. Can you imagine having 60 kids standing up here in front of church right now 
singing their hearts out to Jesus? Can you imagine what that must be like? Well, that's what we got to experience as young people in our young, explorative, curious years in searching and figuring out what it means to be nurtured and strengthened in our faith, learning and growing and understanding of Jesus and what Jesus meant to us. Every one of us here has our church story to tell, and every one of our stories is a unique story. I, for one, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the people that God placed in my faith path in my mid-teenage years that made it possible for me to see and to realize that there was something very special happening in church and in that church community. And, and, that, and, it, and it was a time for me where I was actually given permission and I had the freedom to have curiosity about Jesus and about who Jesus was. And that was, in, that was affirmed and that was encouraged by the people that surrounded me. We fed off of each other's curiosity and faith expression. It was a life-altering time for me and many other young people that molded a path that would direct us for the rest of our lives. One of the things that makes this faith journey so meaningful, and I, I would like to have you think some about that today and maybe hopefully in the days ahead, one of the things that makes this faith journey so meaningful is this, is, and significant is that it's, the, it's all about the people. It's all about the people that surround us and walk alongside of us in this journey. And I don't know if, I think, I think Lutherans are pretty good at that. Maybe perhaps other faith expressions and other denominations might even be better at it than we are, but I guess that's something that I would like to have you think about, is think about some of those people that have walked alongside of you in your faith journey that helps to remind you that something very special is happening in the context of this place. One of those persons for me that was a very special person that surrounded me and was a significant part of my life, was a very dear friend and co-colleague pastor in Detroit, Michigan, when I first served one of my, under my first call uh, back in Detroit. His name is Luther Wright. And we're going to be coming up this summer, we're going to be coming up, coming up on his 18th year of his death. You see, he was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, and he survived for two years, and he would oftentimes travel from Detroit, Michigan, to Rochester, Minnesota, to the Mayo Clinic for his uh, treatments and for his assessment on how the cancer was either, either in remission or whether it was growing. And I made it a point, I lived about three hours away from Rochester, Minnesota at that time, and every time Luther came to Rochester, Minnesota, I made it a point to go down to be with him. And my main purpose for just going there was to simply be present, to be with him. 
to walk alongside of him, to be a friend, to be a listener. In all those times that we got together and I visited him and spent time with him down in Rochester, we cried, we laughed, we did a lot of walking, we talked, we reminisced a lot. And we talked, yes, we talked about faith, we talked about life, talked about death, talked about what it's going to be like not having kids around anymore, losing time with his wife. And there were times when I sat with him and his wife in the waiting rooms, and I even sat in the doctor's offices when they were explaining treatments. And I did that because he was a significant part of my life and he was a person that surrounded me and supported me and nurtured me and I hope that I nurtured and surrounded him as well. I was speaking to someone yesterday, a member of this congregation, and this is what she said, God has blessed me so richly in my life because of the faith community that I have around me. And I know that I am not out there by myself. That says it all. As we enter into this new year, I hope that you would take some time to begin to think a little bit more about those times in your life when you had a childlike curiosity and and maybe try and encourage some of that to come back into you. Can we take a few moments and to reflect back upon those times in our lives when we have had that wonderment and that childlike curiosity? And is that something that we can continue to have even into our older years? I'm getting older, and yet I, I hear Pastor Al Pastor Al, practically all the time, he's saying, just like I said earlier, he said, read scripture as if it's the first time you've ever read it. There's something about that curiosity of having approaching scripture and having it speak to you as if it's the very first time it's ever spoke to you. That's a part of what it means to discover, to have that childlike curiosity and that wonderment again. And to remind ourselves that there is something special happening within the context of faith community. One of my commentary sources asked this question this week. He says, how do we prevent ourselves from having a dried up sense of wonderment? I think that's an interesting question. How do we give ourselves permission to continually being inquisitive about God and about what it means to walk in the fullness of God's grace each day? And I think one of the things I want to remind you of is that we don't do that alone. That our wonderment and our curiosity in God is something that we do together in community. And that's one of the things that makes this faith journey special for all of us knowing that we are not alone in the journey, that we are not alone because we have Jesus who has promised that he will always be with us, 
And that we are not alone because we have each other to walk alongside of each other in this faith journey to encourage one another and, and to spark wonderment and curiosity about God's grace seen and experienced through the life of Jesus. And so, my wish and my blessing to you is be richly blessed because Jesus goes ahead of you and this faith community surrounds you as you walk this journey together. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.